so back during that um, golden era of um, you know funk, really in the in the '70s, you know how closely did the Isaac Brothers monitor um, you know both the um, you know what some of the rival bands or competing bands, if you will, were not only uh, playing but also you know their success. And I'm talking about you know bands like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Ohio Players, Commodores, Cool, and the Gang. Um, you know, how did you look at those other bands? We we always uh, paid attention to what was going on in the business. You know, we wanted to know who had what record out. We were fans. You know, like I I remember us waiting for the next Stevie Wonder album. You know. <laughs> I said, you know, you know, as soon as it comes out, I'm gonna, I got to go get it. You know, check it out, see what he did. Um, Marvin Gaye's new thing. Uh, it was a, it was a respectful kind of comp competition, if you will. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. We wanted to hear their next album. We follow. We, we listen to it. We, we listen to it, the instrumentation. You know, what they sang, what they sang about. You know what I mean? Uh, Sly's new thing. You know, um, and. Uh, I was always a student of music, and I was a student of, you know, pop music and R&B music. I studied the records. I, you know, we, me and Ernie sometimes in Marvel, we talk about, hey, what this guy played, what he played, you know, what who, who wrote it, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, for me, it was great to have all that great music uh, and all that variety of music. You know, that's how we did the covers because we were into everybody's music. You know what I mean? Carol King. You know, we did a lot of covers out there. You know, Crosby, Still Nash and Young. You know, uh, Seals and Cross. You know, uh, the Doobie Brothers. We did a cover of that. You know, this. You know, we listened to everybody. You know, and um, that was uh, that was part of the, the beauty of that era, is that. You had so much variety of music coming out, like every week, some other big band or big single artist would have a great album come out, you know. And hey, man, we we'd have it. We, you know, we, we'd be listening to it, man. We and we were in college because we were in college part of the time. We were with with the group, man. In college, you know, we get a break, come home, play that album, man. Come back to the dorm, play that album, check it out, be listening to it. You know, and um, I think that really helped uh, creatively because um, it was good to have all of those different things coming at you, you know, musical, music all the time. And that when, when, when you immerse yourself in music like that, that helps me create, that helps, that helps the juices flow, you know what I mean? And uh, you get, sometimes you get inspired from other people too. I remember Marvin Gaye's What's Going On album. That inspired me, <laughs> you know, because I said, wow, nobody ever did anything like this before. This, this is really great, you know, song, each song flowing into the next, you know, uh, consistency of message, you know, performance was great, you know, very inspiring. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. So um, getting back to the, um, uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, concerts. You know, was there anyone in particular that you kind of um, tended to go out with often as, a, as an opener or as kind of a co-headliner? And, um, you know, I, I didn't get to see the band live until the late 70s uh, at the LA Forum. And I think at that time I'd have been with um, like Graham Central Station and I don't remember who else. Um, but, um, you know, who did you go out with and 
um, do, do you feel like, did you feel then like you brought it as hard, you know, on stage as you did in the studio? Um, yeah, we always tried to bring it hard, but we toured, we toured with a lot of different, um, different bands back then. And that was, that was the great thing about that era is because first of all, there was a lot of bands, <laughs> a lot of different kind of bands. You know, you had Casey and the Sunshine Band and you had Grand Central Station that you mentioned. You had the Brothers Johnson. We toured with them too. That was a great experience touring with them. Uh, then you had artists like Teddy Pendergrass. We toured, they were on the bill with, uh, with us on the tour. Um, you know, New Birth. Um, I mean, you, you name it, just about, we toured with them. And the Gap Band, they were on the tour with us. You know, another good group. So, um, it was like, what happened? How we put together those things were like, whoever had, you know, big records, uh, we'd like to have them on the tour too, because it makes a stronger ticket, you know? And usually it was like uh, three, uh, three groups on the show that we did, like, like when we did the Coliseum, for example, LA Coliseum, I think. We, we had maybe three, maybe four, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly, but we didn't have a long roster because you know it, we give everybody enough time to do their show, and usually that would take from eight to eleven, eleven thirty, you know, and then you had to be out of the building, you know. So um, usually it would consist of three bands, possibly a, a local opening act. Just you know when people are coming in, you know <laughs> nobody's in the seats, you know they're just playing just to warm up everything and test the sound and everything, you know. So. Um, but we toured with a lot of different people, uh, and especially you know with the jazz festivals, you know, because there was a lot of people on those shows, and everybody that had a record usually was on the jazz festival, you know, P Funk, everybody, Aretha Franklin. Uh, but generally, how that went was like whoever had a current record that was doing well, uh, we we wanted them to be on the show to make a strong ticket, you know. And you know, how did you stay grounded during those tours? There's so many temptations of the road and all kinds of things. Um, you know, what was that environment like? Um, and, you know, is there one or two stories from the road that you can recall that were kind of particularly memorable or, or, or funny maybe? Um, well, yeah, I, I mentioned P-Funk. Uh, <laughs> we were in, I think it was Kansas City. And, um, you know, they had the, the mothership and everything that they would – have on stage but they were suspended above the stage you know until they came on and they and, and generally they had to be the last people to come on because of the the rigging and all of that so we came on right before them but um when we came on we got about a minute into our first song and everything cut off i mean all the electricity cut off <laughs> the a band nobody the only thing you could hear was the drummer playing back there because, you know, acoustically you could hear him. But it was like, it was off for about a minute, but it seemed like an hour, you know, because you know, Arrowhead is like this huge stadium, you know, like, and all the people, you hear the you know, crowd cheering on and nothing, you know. And it was like, <laughs> everybody looked at each other like, oh no, you know, what do we do? And I guess somebody finally found the plug and plugged it back in, you know, and it came back on. But uh, that's that's got to be the craziest thing that's ever happened, you know, uh, in, in a show, in a big show, too, because that was like 
big name artists was on there, you know, a lot of big name artists. And uh, we survived it though, I don't know how, but <laughs> we did. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, well, as I was a long time uh, mobile disc jockey, and uh, you know, sometimes big crowd with that, and and have some kind of technical issue, and and you know, lose power. I, I've been there. I was actually on a cruise ship once, doing one, and the ship lost power. Cool. So, man, you talk about anxiety. I can only imagine. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you know. One thing that um, I regret is that, you know, if you look on YouTube, for example, you see a lot of clips from all kinds of musical acts. But from that period in the 70s, there's not a lot of footage of black acts or especially funk acts and, and that sort of thing. Do you know if there was any film ever taken of the Iser Brothers doing their thing? You know, I'm pretty sure that they were. and. Uh... I've for a lot of years I've tried to find it, but um, I haven't been able to, because because the uh, reason I know is because I remember on a couple of occasions uh, I was told that there would be taping the shows, you know, I was told that, but then I never saw the tape, <laughs> you know. So I think there's a tape floating around somewhere of a couple of our performances, but uh, I haven't been able to run them down. Even even I suggest Risley. Um, I I know for a fact some of them were taped, but I can't run them down. I don't know who has them. You know. Wow, that that would be monumental in my opinion to uncover that some of that. That was because that was that was a that was a really great tour with Luther Vandross. You know, we did. Uh, we were like the supporting artists on there. I suggest Risley, and every night was like standing ovation every single night with us and with Luther. You know, the crowds was just, you know, on their feet. You know, we, we ended with Caravan of Love. Everybody was standing, you know, with their, their, light, their cigarette lighters or whatever they had on. And they were, I mean, it was just a magnificent thing that was going on in the, in the audience. And uh, I wish I wish I had a tape of it so that just people could just see it, you know. And then Luther's performance was great. He was always great. And uh, they stood for him, too. Um, it was just a really, really inspiring tour. You know, at during that period from 73 to 83, with all that success, um, I, I grew up in Los Angeles and, and at least for that area, um, you know, radio, rock radio did not play black acts much, even no matter how much they were rocking. If you weren't Jimi Hendrix, uh, you were going to be lucky to to be heard on those stations. So you know the Isleys, perhaps you know more than any other band during that era, really had a lot of rock influence in what they did. Mm -hmm. uh, with along, along with maybe Funkadelic, but they were you know kind of different altogether. I think the Isleys were more accessible in their sound. So you know why do you think there was that resistance? And was it something that you know the band ever talked about or wanted to have that kind of crossover? Because really, as far as crossing over, fight the power. Um, and, and, and Who's That Lady were really the big crossover singles. But I think so much of it should have gotten that kind of exposure. Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt we should have maybe, you know, you know those, albums were, those albums were big and they were, uh, uh, 
a lot of them could have crossed over, I felt, you know. But, um, you know, when, when, when things become political, you know, that, that's when you run into instances where, you know, I, I don't think Luther Bandos crossed over him as much as he should have, you know what I mean? Because I think, I think his music, it would have been acceptable on any format, you know. I don't know, it, 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 it gets political sometimes. And that's when uh, I think the business uh, uh, is, is not the best it can be. I mean, it should be about music and, and music on its merits. That's what I've always felt. Uh, no matter who it is, they should be played on every station, no matter what. If it's good, play it. You know, forget the color of the artist. If it's good, play it. And that's how, that's how I've always felt. Um, I don't like, I don't see music that way. You know, I mean, some people meant, some people might. Uh, well, who's the artist? I don't care who the artist is. <laughs> if, oh, is, is it good? Let, let, me, let me see it. Let me hear it. You know, that's all I care about. And uh, that's all I've ever cared about. So when I see stations being resistant because, you know, an artist may be black or an artist might be white, you know, I feel that's, I feel that's wrong. Why, why are you resistant to a good piece of music? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense to me. It never did. So um, uh, I think that's when uh, the business isn't the best and the audience doesn't get uh, a full spectrum of what's offered out there. You know what I mean? Uh, I think right now, um, you know, England is doing a good job of doing that. They're playing everything. You know, they're playing everything. Reggae, they're playing jazz, they're playing R&B, they're playing pop, they're playing everything. And I think, I think, you know, that's, you know, maybe America should look at that. Take a look at that because they're playing music. You know what I mean? They're not playing race, you know? And, 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 I, and I've always felt that was wrong, you know? When somebody said, oh, this guy's black, or oh, this guy's white, we can't play that. Why not? Is it good? You know what I mean? Why aren't you playing it? So um, I can see, I can see maybe when they, they 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 say, okay, we want to be a country station or something like that, because you know, maybe, maybe that's 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 a little different. But at the same time, country, you know, some country stuff, I, I remember when country stuff was played on top 40. You know what I mean? And it's because it was good music. I mean, I think, I think there should be a reevaluation of that, you know, in America. Mm -hmm. That let's play music, man. Hey, let's try that. Let's try playing music and see what happens. Instead of playing categories. See what happens. Well, well I mean, because of that, I think, you know, Ernie should be much more highly regarded and better known in rock guitar circles than he is. I know? believe he definitely would be, you yeah. know, because, you know, if, if he got the exposure, more people would know about him. You know what I mean? It, it just goes, it just goes that way. But when you start, I think when you start limiting things on the basis of something other than music, that's when you, that's when you run into the problem. That's when you run into the problem of, hey, you know, we could have done maybe a little bit more if 
we were more open. You know what I mean? If we were more, if we, if we just dealt with music, just purely on the basis of music. Because I think that's a, a big complaint of a lot of artists, you know, is that, hey, you know, the record company didn't push us this way or the other way. Well, my question is, why does the company have to push it one way or the other? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why does it service everybody and on the merit of it choose? You know, that's that's more fair. Absolutely. I think that's a topic we could spend an entire interview on. That's right. That's yeah, right. that's a deep topic. Um, before we move on from that, though, just, you know, focusing on funk music in particular, you know, why do you think, uh, Chris, that it, you know, hasn't caught on in terms of being, you know, more thought of as a, as a mainstream music, um, you know, um, genre of its own you know right there with blues and with rock and with country you know why is it the funk is kind of you know kept swept under the rug a little bit uh i think one reason is you don't have a lot of musicians uh now uh producing it um funk is something okay and, and i've said this in, in different interviews something funk is something you have to live and if you're not a if you're not a musician, it's almost impossible to live funk. You, you, you know, okay, you can sing uh, good, but you, you cannot sing funk, really. You know, as, as great of a singer as James Brown was, right? His voice alone is not funk. He had to have those beats and those rhythms and those grooves. See, that's funk. And musicians create that. And so now, if you don't have that music being produced and, 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 and um, delivered you know, to, say, you know, radio stations and promoted and marketed, some people are going to say, oh, well, you know, maybe funk's not happening anymore. You know? Maybe let's, let's try to play another. Because, uh, when I was coming up, like I said, I mentioned all the bands. You know, there were so many bands that could play funk. And there was a lot of it out there. And as a result of the, of the production of the music, it was, you know, it was being every week you had another funk song coming out, <laughs> you know, from somebody. And then it was like, all right, uh, let's go uh, 30 years in the future. How many bands are out there doing anything? Where is it? You know what I mean? I mean, I record, only reason I can record funk on my albums is I can play it. You know what I mean? How many people can play it? That's what I mean. The funk re relies on musicianship. Mm -hmm. That's what it relies on. And that's why I started off talking about the vocal thing. The vocal thing is great, you know, but hey, who can play it? Where's the Larry Grahams? Where's the, you know, the Johnson brothers? Where, you know, where's all these funk people at? Where are they? I don't know. They maybe went into hip hop instead. You know, I hear, yeah, I hear house stuff. I hear, you know, hip hop. I don't hear any funk because, because that, that requires musicians, you know, um, and musicians that, 
have a certain knack for counterpoint and syncopation and you know all those things that make make up a funk groove you know every drummer is not a funk drummer you know every keyboard player is not a funk keyboard player every guitar player is not a funk guitar player yeah well you you know you mentioned you know folks like yourself that you know have it in your dna pretty much yeah, you have um, to live funk. You have to live that music, you know, and 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 understand the 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 different nuances of it, and the you know, the, like I said, the counterpoint, the the rhythm, the touch. Sometimes it's just touch. You know what I mean? Um, I was I was talking to my son the other day. He he's he's writing music, and I said, you know what? I said there was a part in that lady where I didn't even play notes really on the clavinet. I just played a feel and a rhythm. And the rhythm was the thing that worked, you know, in, in the break, in the rhythmic break. I said, you know, I could have played a lot of different notes in that, you know, segment. But it didn't work as well as just the groove, the feel, you know. And sometimes it's just that. You know, and that's what I mean, you know, knowing what to do when, how. And all that, that's what funk is made out of. And, and if you get some musicians in a room, they'll tell you it's hard to teach a person how. You know, you just have to be around people to do it and play it. You know, that's why the Stones went to Muscle Shoals, man. They wanted to they wanted to learn about the blues. They said, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, you know, learn it in England here. We're gonna have to go where the blues is being paid, played. So they packed up and went to America, you know. And hey, we're on that, you know, Keith Richards, he got with those guys, you know, and yeah, okay. And he, he's a blues guitar player now, you know, well, for, for many, many years. But he but he had to go where it was and immerse himself in it. You know, and then, you know, he's a bad dude on guitar, man. But you know what I'm saying? You gotta go and get into it somehow. And musicians aren't getting into funk anymore. You know, they say, okay, we just we just do a beat and let's, you know play a couple of chords and we got a song, you know, usually that's what happens. That's not funk. Well, but if you look at the, um, you know, funk progenitors that were around in the seventies and early eighties doing it that are still around today, uh, like yourself or, you know, Confunction or Lakeside or these kind of bands, it seems to me that, you know, when they make records, they they tend they're 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 mellower now. They're not bringing the funk as much as they used to on record when they do a record. And I'm wondering, you know, of course you mellow with age, but you know, why do you think that might be? And when I look, you know, particularly uh, Chris at similar bands like on the rock side, say like an ACDC or a ZZ Top or you know the Stones or Aerosmith. They still seem to kind of bring the rock like they did many, many years ago. You're right. But some of the funk bands kind of shy away from it, and they're not continuing to bring the funk. And maybe if they did, it would help inspire more younger, you know, musicians. I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that because I think a lot of them sometimes will maybe try to go close to a trend that's happening, you know, mm -hmm. rather than bringing the authentic thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I don't agree with that. You know, I, I put Man Up on, on the one album, my, my album previous to Share With Me. Man Up is funk. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's the, I mean, the heavy, heavy funk. 
And that's if I'm going to play funk, that's what I'm going to play. I'm not going to play something that's nice and light. You know, that might go on in this format and that. Or, or else I'm just going to do a ballad. I'm, I'm going to do something else. You know what I mean? I'm not going to play a funk. But if, if I'm going to record a funk record, like I have something called Funky Thing on Share With Me, it's funk. It's not, it's not halfway. It's all the way. You know, and that's what I, I believe in recording the real article, if you would. You know what I mean? I re, I'm a firm believer in that. And that's why I still record my music the way I, I record it is because that's what I've done for like all my career. And a lot of my fans know me that way. They identify my music that way. So I'm going to bring it the way I've always brought it. And I, and I, and I think that's why that there might be um, like you start off saying, you know, funk, not a lot of, not a lot of funk records is because people are wondering, well, should I, should I do the original thing? Should I do the original article? You know, and my answer to that is yes, because if you don't, how's a person going to know what it, it is? How, how's a person going to know one from one thing from the next? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a watered. Why, why, why bring a watered down version of something? You know, I, I don't I don't follow that one. I know I know people are trying to sell records, but at the same time, there's no guarantee that a watered down version is going to sell either. <laughs> You know what I mean? Especially as crazy as the business is now. Yeah. There's no guarantee that's going to sell either. Yeah, that's, that's you know, authenticity. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, think I mean, you might as well go for the original thing. <laughs>